This is Glenn Crooks on Frame. My friend Jonas Silk, he's an athletic counseling fellow at the University of Michigan. He is the founder and president of Goals and Glory. And uh, formerly, we worked together at the Players Development Academy in New Jersey, PDA. We coached together there. And uh, Jonah is uh, doing some fantastic things uh, with the athletes at the University of Michigan. Uh, that's going to be a, a major part of our discussion. Some of the things that uh, are going on with athletes in general, uh, not only during the pandemic, but beyond. For instance, Michigan women's soccer. Uh, they were not allowed to participate in the Big Ten tournament due to COVID. There have been a couple of pauses in Michigan athletics, which has been widely publicized. So, Jonah, welcome. It's great to see you, miss you. And I've been meaning to bring you on because I know you're you're in, involved in this in, in the counseling of of these athletes. Before we get into it and uh, we know each other so well, I'm wondering how your own personal situation maybe led to your desire to uh, contribute this way and, and, and to give back a little bit. I ended up leaving coaching and, and coming to get my master's in social work and, and figuring out that, um, you know, really the way that mental health impacts athletes were often kind of expected to kind of suck it up, you know, and in the past has kind of been, you know, a stigma around mental health. And so certainly through my own journey, kind of realizing my own obstacles that I was creating for myself with my own mental health stuff, um, certainly due to like repeated injuries, um, you know, being stripped of the game a few times. Um, I had a, a few other kind of personal things that, you know, one might deem traumatic and, you know, the field of trauma has come a long way. So we really learned the way that, you know, adverse experiences in youth can impact us as adults and, and from our mood to our behavior um, and our thoughts about ourselves. So really my own personal journey with mental health and finding help and success and finally kind of believing in therapy after 10 years of kind of not really buying in, I found a guy who was really, really helpful and, and kind of changed my life, you know, helped me kind of envision what I was good at beyond the field, which is a huge thing that we do because, you know, when you devote your whole life to athletics, a uh, big thing that we've seen is just the theme of like an identity crisis when our, when our careers end. And uh, so that was a big thing for me was him helping me find my values and strengths beyond um, sport. And, and that was really good. So certainly once the kind of light bulb goes off, you feel a little bit of an obligation to like share that knowledge with others who might be struggling and certainly working with youth um, and certainly the privileged youth as well, just felt like there was a bit more to, to do to help kids perform and just feel good on and off. That was kind of my, my summary of how we, how we got here. Well, you made this decision to go there and study uh, the field, and this is prior to the pandemic, and then the pandemic strikes. You're obviously involved pre-pandemic in the different issues that athletes have. How did the, the merger of that and then the pandemic add on to the adverse situations for athletes? Wow, it's, it's, we're still in it, so it's, it's just pretty – it's insane, really, that it's been – you know, a bit over a year now that, that this happened. And sure enough, I was in my master's degree and almost done. So I had mostly an in-person experience, but we went virtual for the very end and didn't have graduation and went from doing in-person therapy to teletherapy. And certainly the pandemic, as we've known, yeah, from the shutdowns you mentioned, I can't speak real specifically to Michigan or my athletes, but I will speak to the whole NCAA at large and what we've seen and even with the high school athletes, um, just a huge uptick in, in mental health symptoms and reports. And I mean, you, 
recognize in the media too, just um, even the impact that's having on high school kids. You know, I don't want to just harp on the college level because you know, often these kids will have more opportunities to play. Not always, but high school kids, a lot of them, like that, that was the end of their sports career. You know, for we, we discussed a little earlier, um, you know, just the impact of injuries and being away from the game and the impact that, that can have on, a, on an athlete's mental health. And you look at what the shutdown in a pandemic of, you know, some kids who didn't get to play their sport in a game, a contest for 400 days or something like that. Um, it's almost like a huge collective um, injury type situation where we're all kind of stripped of the game. And yeah, it's, it's definitely, it's, it's been a very hard year on everybody, but athletes, you can see the way in which it's, it's just made a forceful change on their lives. What's an example, Jonah, and we're with Jonah Silk, Athletic Counseling Fellow at the University of Michigan. What, what's an example of a kid that's developed stress, you know, throughout all this and it's really impacting their lives? What's an example of what you can say to them uh, to help curtail that a bit? Um, I think it's been an interesting time because we're also trying to practice what we preach really hard, you know, and, and seeing it everywhere from speaking with my parents to to teachers at the school, um, to our athletes, to, to my fellow clinicians that I just, uh, you know, had my master's program with. And we're, we're really looking at, we were almost forced to shift gears in what we were doing therapeutically to try to, you know, find something where it's like, you know what, you're right. This, this really does suck. There's no beating around the bush here. Like this sucks, you know, but there, what, what can we do about it? You know, and um, really trying to like shift our goals and our, and focus on what our really our core values are and how we can still pursue those in the present moment. Right. And really try to avoid too much worry caused by living in the future and futuristic thinking too much and, and not living in the past. And, and you, you indicated before I uh, pressed record to start the interview, uh, you talked about uh, not just athletes and you just referred to your fellow clinicians. Uh, there's parents, uh, essentially, I think you said, you know, everybody's been impacted by that. So I, I suppose sometimes we forget that it's everybody that's impacted. <laughs> Some people, I think, if you've had some experience with mental health prior or life's been wildly fast or something lately, there's probably some people who have kind of benefited from this and from the slowdown and some time to reflect. And I have heard that from some people, a lot of time to like spend slowing down and doing things they hadn't done, hadn't had time to do. And, you know, I do think that there were some people who maybe had been forced to have resilience prior who were maybe better equipped for this and, and are doing okay. But even there, it's like, okay, well, we're a year or something. And I think people are starting to kind of be like, what, what are we doing? Well, just yeah. to add on to that, and I, and I mean this sincerely, and even though she may be listening, my, uh, my wife, Dr. Mary Chaco, who occasionally will appear on the show with me. Yeah, we've we've had forced time together and because of our positions and we travel a lot, it's really enhanced our relationship. I, I will, I can say that without hesitation. So uh, look, we would prefer it didn't happen in what in many ways has been a, a tragic circumstance, but sure. I, I could see what you're saying. Yeah. I've heard the same thing. I mean, my parents have never had this much time to spend together and they've noticed and, and recognized that appreciation and said how nice it's been to have somebody in the home though, too. So you think about it like that and maybe it is too the amount of, you know, folks who are expected to be kind of really truly isolated and, and maybe missing that element. I think. So and, and the next challenge is, is to maintain it. So and then to maintain it too, because I'm sure the divorce rate is pretty high as well right now. <laughs> 
Jonas Silk, our guest, uh, athletic counseling fellow at the University of Michigan. And the, the point um, that you also made prior to starting this uh, that I think is really important is the correlation of what you called seasonal depression and COVID happening happening simultaneously. So you you gave the analogy of the injured athlete, and that's basically everybody was injured during the pandemic because they, their their sport was taken away from them. But what what the seasonal depression and COVID at the same time? Describe that. Yeah, and I and, it, and it, before I go into that, it was it it has been impressive what the NCA and 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 Big Ten and the University of Michigan has done to get people on the field and break that ability not habit. But we will talk about just that being stripped away and then just like so many different life things that we use to comfort and feel our best have been challenged, you know? So that is the element of seasonal depression and, and COVID inning. So we notice like lots of people's mood is dependent on weather, right? Even a gray day, they can be a bit more down than a Sunday. Yeah. Certainly in winter, people's mood, there, there's a such thing as seasonal depression and, and it can really be a bit more longer lasting and to have that kind of come at the same time that we're expected to stay inside and isolate that just the two of those compounded really took away some of the things that are naturally good for us as humans, like social connection and being outdoors. And, you know, if people were using outdoor activities to try to get through the pandemic, that became more difficult and we couldn't go to restaurants. So people were really pretty cooped up and isolated, which goes against what we would ask somebody to do who is feeling seasonal depression. We just have found ourselves having to get really creative in how we, you know, try to help people get through both of those things when some of the usual kind of prescriptions would be harder to find now, whether it's outdoor time or social connection, you know, and just forced Zoom, you know, and, and people being really burnt out with that as well. Well, Jonah, you uh, are the uh, president, you're the founder of Goals and Glory, and uh, you've come on to talk about that in the past, but I don't want to assume people remember. Describe uh, what it is, uh, why you founded it, and how there might be some correlation between uh, goals and glory and what we've suffered through during the pandemic. Well, and I truly appreciate you giving me the time and space for that, Glenn. Um, you know, I think it's it's an obvious way to give back to the sport, and I love and recognize the privileges I've had, and and despite some of my obstacles, definitely the privilege and opportunities I've had throughout my life. But at the core, it's really about what we talked about today, which is like destigmatizing, help seeking amongst athletes, making athletes know and feel it's okay to go get therapy. Simple as that. Through that, we we find that writing is therapeutic, and then it also through telling stories is able to inspire other people who might be struggling. So at the core, Goals and Glory is a writing content. It's share your story where we want to inspire others and share your story. You're going to get a shirt and kind of like relationship with us no matter what. And then you have a chance to win a scholarship as well. So right now we have a $1,000 scholarship available and a $500 scholarship available. And we're really, you know, of course we love donations, but we're doing okay. Like we're very small and humble with that. So what we really want right now is, is contributors and student athletes that we can help. And so we've written three scholarships in, in three years and, and one to somebody that you and I shared dearly, a good friend of ours, Mafuz, who's uh, doing great. Well, his yeah, story is just... unbelievable, right? Mafuz, refugee, homeless, Dusk uh, got him involved. The Brooklyn Italians got him involved a little bit in terms of soccer. And then he develops familial relationships there, but not even knowing the language. And a year and a half later, getting accepted at Fairfield University and he's currently on the soccer roster there it's 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 really quite yeah. um, it's heartwarming 
He's an inspiring kid. I mean, he, uh, yeah, he does immigration law, like internships. He, you know, is very, very humble and like wants to spend his life trying to help other people and give back to the kind of what he experienced. He, uh, yeah, he, he's somebody who deserves to be recognized. So it's pretty special. And yeah, that's, that's what we want to continue to kind of find. What you're seeking really individuals and young people, it takes a lot of courage to tell your story if it's adverse and it might even put you in a position where, you know, you, you showed weakness. So the, the sharing of that, can you just describe yeah. how that could help others? Sure. And, and to help themselves. It, it is kind of uncomfortable to, to be vulnerable like that, but we also find that like facing adverse stuff, like telling the narrative and becoming comfortable with it and processing it is a huge part of healing. So it can be therapeutic and it, it, it should be written in a way where, yeah, this is something that these people have, have generally overcome or have dealt with. So it, it, it isn't weakness as much as something that to me is, is showing like a resilience. So I think we're looking at high school aged kids, you know, who are athletes and want to be part of this mission, you know, want to kind of show that they understand the impact of, of what they experienced and how important sports were related to it and wanting to kind of inspire others and destigmatize help seeking. And so it's been really cool that all three winners we've had so far were like totally on board to share their story and wanted to help other kids and really wanted to be part of the mission too. And, and in turn, we've maintained a relationship that's important to us too. All three winners are still, you know, kind of mentees or mentors in the future for, for this relationship. And you would have to think uh, since last March of 2020 till the present, there have to be a number of stories to be written. Have to be. Yeah. And we've uncovered a bunch. And honestly, um, they're very humble. But a lot of the people you know, around us where I am in Ann Arbor are, have experienced some stuff, but they're also, they feel like they're, they're pretty privileged and, and, and not necessarily needing of, of the scholarship. And so I've even had one winner I approached where they almost wanted to just donate it back. And it was like, you're right. You know, we do, the, the point of this is also to help need it. And whether that's for a coaching class or rehabilitation or a course to take or to help them buy their books at college, we really work to kind of help and figure out it is exactly what we can do to help them. That's Goals and Glory founder Jonas Silk. If you know someone with a story to share or if you or someone you know are in a position to help fund a scholarship, contact Jonah. Jonah.Silk21 at gmail.com. This is Glenn Crooks on Frame.